Welcome to the prolific teaching ministry of Pastor Emmanuel Iren, lead pastor of Celebration Church International. It is his vision to partner with you for your progress and joy in the faith. Ready, set, grow. Praise the name of the Lord. Glory to God. Okay, open your Bibles. Ezekiel chapter 36. Verse 26. Where is this lady? I'm trying to remember your name. You were healed from, I think, palpitation of the heart. And you did a medical checkup. And that was confirmed. Are you here today? Is she here? Is she here? Are, are you ready to share your testimony? Come. Yeah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. We need to share more testimonies, don't you think? Especially in a month like this. Hallelujah. All right. Praise God. Um, so, for, um, last year, I was having, um, I was having um, really chest pain every time. And my heart was beating very well. And when I went to the hospital, they said I had an enlarged heart. So, causes my heart to, my chest to beat very fast. So I could literally hear my heart beat. So I told pastor about it. And then like two Sundays ago when we were praying, I literally heard it stop. Like the beating stopped. And then I told pastor about it. And then after service, he was like, we'll see after the second service. And then he prayed for me. And the next thing I saw was being picked up from the floor. And then he was like, go and check your, go to the hospital. And then when I went to the hospital the next day, which was Monday, the cardiologist wasn't on scene. They were like, I should come back Wednesday for the test. I did the test. Then Friday, I went to pick my results. And the man was literally shocked. <laughs> and everything was normal. Listen, it will never return, Okay. Amen. Hallelujah. Give Jesus a big hand. Rejoice right now. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. That's my God. Say, that's my God. Hallelujah. Isn't that awesome? Listen. Serve God like he is alive. Did you hear what I said? Stop playing church. Serve God like he's alive. Just worship him and thank him. Thank him for that miracle. Thank him for her. Thank him for her. Thank him for her. Thank you, Lord. Listen, every sickness right now can be healed. I just, I just, the Lord led me to make her share a testimony to stir you up. Every sickness can be healed. And as the Lord led my wife to lead that prayer, I didn't ask her to lead that. You can stand in the gap for people. Hallelujah. This is that month. This is that month. Glory to God. All right, let's teach quickly. Ezekiel chapter 36 verse 26. Are you there this evening? It says, a new heart. (laughs) A new heart also I will give you. And a new spirit will I put within you. 
And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. And ye shall keep my judgments and do them. Praise the name of Jesus. So now, this actually is a text about salvation. The prophet is prophesying. God says, I'm going to give Israel a new law. But not according to the law that I gave their fathers. He says, this is the law that I will give to them. And you know, I've taught you on this before. If you were Israel, you had a law that we now call the old covenant, which says, thou shall not, thou shall not, thou shall not. And God says, I'm going to give you a new law. Now you're expecting new instructions. But instead of new instructions, he says, I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And that means the new covenant or the new laws will not be new regulations, but a new regulator. Do you understand what I said? So instead of regulations, the new covenant will be a regulator, a spirit in the heart of man, conditioning man to function according to the will of God. That's the new covenant. Not instructions, not do's and don'ts, not new guidelines, but a spirit. He's going to change the heart, of your, the, the heart of man, the core part of human beings, by his spirit. He says, I will put my spirit within you and make you, cause you to walk in my statutes. So that you will keep my judgment and do them. Hallelujah. So he's talking about a heart transplant. A heart transplant. And I'm not talking about anything biological. Heart here is metaphorical. He's talking about him changing your desires, your passions, your inclinations. Hallelujah. He will change your passions. He will change your desires. Change your inclinations. So, the guys under the law, there were guys who probably wanted to do bad things that they liked, but could not do it because the Lord said not to do it, or the law said not to do it. Hallelujah. And a lot of people still think that following God is that way. That, oh, I really like to drink and be drunk, but God said I should not do it, so I'm trying. But that's not really the new covenant. Hallelujah. In the new covenant, the promise and the prophecy is, he will align your heart and your passions to, your, to his. He will align your heart and your passion to his in such a way that you will desire the things that are consistent with his plan. That's the prophecy of the new covenant. Do you understand what I just said? It's a heart matter, a passion matter, an interest matter. What we are talking about is a miracle. So I've defined Christianity, let me not call it a definition, but a key characteristic of Christianity is changed desires. Changed desires. And so Paul says to the church at Colossae, in Colossians chapter 3, from verse 1, it says, if ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ seated at the right hand of God. He says, set your affections on things above, not on things beneath. Because he's saying your new location 
by faith in Christ Jesus is meant to change your desires. So it's a key characteristic or key characteristic of Christianity. Change desires. A miraculous change of desires. Say loud amen. That's what it is. Look at what Paul said to the church at Philippi. Philippians chapter 2 verse 13. Philippians chapter 2 verse 13. You have to move there as fast as you can because we have a lot to cover today. By the way, I didn't want to rush this teaching, so I'm going to do part one today and then part two next week, Tuesday. I'm not going to do part two on, on Sunday. On Sunday, we also have something very important to talk about. By the way, it's going to be a special miracle service, okay? The theme is the supply of the Spirit. And we're talking about the fact that it is by the Spirit that God gets stuff done. Hallelujah. Oh, you will be so blessed. But we're, we're going to do this um, today and then part two next week. So Philippians chapter 2 verse 13. Are you there? Read together. One, two, go. It says, for it is God which walketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Oh, glory to God. It says, God is walking in you. So, he's walking in you inclinations. He's walking in you zeal and passions. The desire to do good is the work of the Holy Spirit. He's walking in you to will and to do. Glory to God. Say, God is walking in me to will and to do. Now, that's the work of the Holy Spirit. So, now, it's so beautiful. Paul is speaking as if Ezekiel 36, 26 is fulfilled. And it was. And it is. What Paul is talking about was what Ezekiel prophesied about. He says, God walks in you to will and to do. Hallelujah. Say, that's my life. Hallelujah. So I'm powered for righteousness by the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Say, I'm powered for righteousness by the Holy Ghost. And listen, this is an increasing experience as you walk with God. When you give your heart to Christ, there should be when you receive the Holy Spirit, a definite change. Hallelujah. For instance, when I gave my heart to Christ, I was filled with the Holy Spirit. There were some things that died on the spot. I had no desire for them at all. There were some, all right, that I grew into. I grew into the will of God in those areas. I don't have enough time to show you this theologically. But there, there must just be a definite mark to say, okay, this is who I was, this is who I am now. But sanctification is a process. But all, all that I'm describing has a name. It's called sanctification, okay? 
But it's a process. You keep growing into it in other areas of your life. But it's just important that you realize that this is the work of the Holy Spirit in you, which is what we're trying to do. Praise the name of Jesus. For instance, as a believer, you know, oh, glory to God. I remember one of our, our people called me. He said, you know, I sell. Okay, don't let me give you that example. Let me give you this one. If you're going to be a Christian businessman in this world, it looks like your options are not as much. Am I saying the truth or not? In this world, iniquity sells very fast. Iniquity sells very fast. So you have a restaurant and you can't sell alcohol. You can't sell that. Really? Are you following what I'm saying? You can't have a beer parlor. In your beer parlor, you can't maybe use ladies who are wearing skimpy clothes, you know, just to keep the customers engaged. Are you aware that people who do stuff like that? Praise the Lord. All those, all those kind of things happen. And then sex, for instance, sells. It sells, but you can't do that. Hallelujah. And by the Holy Spirit, you, you don't feel bad about that. Are you with me? Am I talking to people who know what I'm saying? I hope I am. By the Holy Spirit, you're okay. There are several other righteous options that you're okay with. Say loud, amen. Glory to God. says he walks in you to will and to do say that with me he walks in me to will and to do his pleasure glory to god so now but when a lot of people think of texts like this they think fundamentally or primarily about the moral stuff okay i cannot sleep around because i have the holy ghost i cannot extort people financially because i have the holy ghost but there are other zeals and inclinations that the Bible teaches that are also the work of the Holy Spirit. I'm not, you see, I'm not talking about stopping to do negative things. You see, the difficult part is the new and righteous habits that you pick. I remember the time, I've, I think I've mentioned it before. I went to see a pastor and he asked, what are you teaching in your church this season? And I said, oh, we're, we're just charging ourselves concerning evangelism. He was shocked. He said evangelism. He was worried for me that if I teach evangelism, nobody's going to come to our church. He said evangelism. Praise the Lord. Now, he was an older minister trying to advise me. You, you want a church? <laughs> you, want to, you want people to stop coming? Ever? Can you imagine that? I'm not talking about a friend or just any, I'm not talking about a colleague at work. I'm talking about a pastor. Because even to a pastor, as far as he's concerned, there are some things that don't really move the crowd. You see what I'm saying? So, what will make a believer, for instance, grow a passion for evangelism? That's the Holy Ghost. Ah. 
if I teach it and you are interested, that's the Holy Ghost. Are you aware that some people have no interest? Some of them is because they've not been taught. And by the way, that's the theme for next month, okay? So get ready. So for some, it's because they've not been taught. All right. But to a non-believer, he just doesn't understand. Okay, you, you believe in Jesus. He doesn't. Don't disturb people now. Have you heard people talk like that before? Allow everybody do what they want to do. But that's not the spirit of Christ. The ministry of the spirit of Christ is to convince about Christ. And so when you, when you have the Holy Spirit, he's going to walk with you to convince people. Say loud, amen. amen. And that's just an example. But now let me come to even something more fundamental that you all can relate with. Let me bring it home since we're talking about prayer. I remember years ago when I still had a lot of growing to do. I still do. I wanted to get prayer points from the Bible. So I did a search on the prayers that Paul prayed. <laughs> and I was surprised. I expected to get some, oh Lord God, you know those You know, you know this kind of prayers? So I wanted, have you noticed that people who pray like that, they usually pray from the Old Testament? Imagine if you wanted to pray only the way the early church prayed. So I, I, I wanted to do that. And I searched. The first thing you will notice is that our priorities are wrong. In our churches, many times we spend 99% of the time praying for needs, more money, breakthrough, and all these kind of things, then as we're rounding off, let's say, let's remember the body of Christ. Let's <laughs> Is that not what we do? I'm talking about myself, too, as in that's how I grew up. I'm not, do you understand what I'm saying? So as we're rounding off, you know, say, let's remember the body of Christ far and near, all over the world. <laughs> you, know? you know, that's what you use to round off. But when you see Paul, how did Paul pray for Colossae? He says the, the same thing for spiritual growth. How did he pray for um, the church at Ephesus? The eyes of your understanding be, will be enlightened. In chapter 3, he says, I bow my knees to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he will grant you according to his spirit to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. So now when you see the emphasis of Paul, you will come to a conclusion that you have not taken spiritual growth as importantly as you should. Do you understand what I'm saying? If Paul repeated it so many times, the priority of God must become my priority. That's spiritual growth. Hey. Did you hear what I said? You know that you are growing spiritually when God's priority becomes your priority. And now, as I'm talking to you, some of you are like, Pastor, I, I don't really, do you understand? That, how can I just be praying? Even the realization that ah, I need to grow. It's not really something that is on many people consciously. Lord, the eyes of my understanding must be enlightened. Not every, not every believer has that pant every day. Do you understand what I'm saying? But you ought to. And so this is where Ezekiel 36, 26 also comes in. He has redirected your desires. 
concerning spiritual things also. Hallelujah. When you see how the Bible talks about the lost, you know what the Bible says about Christians who are persecuted? He says, remember them as if you also are in prison. He says, he said, he said that should be your consciousness. So now, when you read that, how do you align? You, how do you move from here to there? That me, I just, when I watch the news and I hear Christians were killed, I just say, hmm, this country. And I move on. How do I move from being like this, so unperturbed and undisturbed, to coming to a point where, when I see that, I get on my knees and begin to pray genuinely, knowing that the people there have brothers and sisters, and if it was my own brother or my own self, I would not be sleeping. Now, that's spiritual growth. So how do I come from this point to that point? It's the Holy Ghost. That's what I'm talking to you about. That's spiritual growth. God, see, eh, before I could go maybe three days and I don't pray. And the world does not stop moving, rotating. But now I, I understand the Holy Spirit has taken a hold of me so much. It, it's, it's a culture. I am too busy not to pray. Do you understand what I'm saying? If I'm not praying, what I'm, do you understand what I'm saying? What is more important? Why wouldn't I tell souls about Jesus? Why wouldn't I cry for the lost? What I'm saying is the work of the Holy Spirit. I'll give you one more example. I taught on this, I think, 2014. The title of the sermon was Maranatha. Maranatha means come quickly. You know, just that heart cry, expecting the coming of Christ. That's also spiritual growth. That's call it spirit, spirit. A lot of people don't expect. A lot of Christians are not even taught to. Ah, you're making money now. If you're you not careful, you will beg him to calm down, self. Take your time, sir. I am not saying that because a lot of people need to hear the gospel. You are saying it for yourself. Hallelujah. How many of you have been worried that Christ will just come before you get married and you will miss out of all the... <laughs> He's a bother. <laughs> do you understand what I'm saying? Now, how do I know people think that way? Because I've thought like that in the past. So we are all on this table. So let's shatter it with the word of God, Okay. Praise the Lord. And that's, that's usually just our frame of mind, our thinking. But when you see Paul or the apostles talking about Christ, the crown at his coming, the reward at his coming, when you see him tell the church at Thessalonica, I'm, you are my joy at the coming of Christ. That because of the kind of training I've given you in Christ, I'm eager for Christ to come because he will commend me for the work I've done in your life. You know, so that mindset, that consciousness, he was very conscious of the coming of Christ. Very conscious. A man is old, about to die. 
He's not really concerned about his will and all those things. I've finished my course. You know, there was a mentality. Praise the Lord. When you read 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, you conclude is either this guy was crazy or this Holy Spirit thing is real. You are in prison. You are likely to be executed and you are encouraging Timothy. That is out of prison. You are encouraging him. And you are telling him, don't be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. You are telling him that. You that, do you understand? Now, it is one thing for you to be imprisoned for Christ and you don't recount. But for you in prison to be writing to the people outside and encouraging them. You, you are in prison. You are encouraging the church at Philippi. Rejoice in the Lord. Again, I say rejoice. You are telling them. That's another dimension entirely. Do you understand what I'm saying? So maybe the people outside, they say, I'm, I'm going through depression. My boyfriend broke up with me. By the time someone in prison writes to you and says rejoice, you will repent. You will say, what's my problem, sir? Please, do you understand what I'm saying? I'm talking about the work of the Holy Spirit in the human heart. About the part of the coming of Christ. Let's read some texts. Time is fast spent. That's why I told my wife today, I said, I wish I had an extra month. But next, next month's teaching is also very important. Praise the Lord. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Let's read from verse 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. You have to open this. Now, pay close attention from this point. Are you with me? Now, it says, if we, for we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, I have a lot to say about this. No time, not enough time. But he's talking about his body. Paul used metaphors a lot. So he's, he's referring to his body, the earthly house of this tabernacle. <sighs> Let me quickly explain what that means. As fast as possible. And now, our body, the Bible says, is the temple of the Holy Ghost. The temples in Jerusalem were never the dwelling place of God. It was just a picture, a symbol of how God would tabernacle in our hearts. And listen, in those days, they didn't always have a temple. When they were in Jerusalem, what they had was a tabernacle. It was movable and temporary. So as they were joining to the promised land, you know, when it's time to move, they will lift it. Lift the ark and everything inside and move with it. Are, are you following me? So now when they got to the promised land, it was then time to build a permanent temple. And that is also a picture of your current body and your celestial body. So he calls the current body the earthly house of this tabernacle. Why? Because it's temporary. As they were moving the tabernacles in the wilderness, it grew old. It was subject to wear and tear. But when they got to the promised land, now they had an actual building that was permanent. So that was a picture of your current body that can grow old, grow tired. You understand what I'm saying? And then the celestial one that is permanent and eternal. So that's the analogy here. Give the Lord some praise for that. That's good stuff. So it says, now, if our earthly house of this tabernacle was dissolved, 
We have a building. You see that? So what does it call the building, uh, the, the body about to receive? A building. It says we have a building of God and a house not made with hands. Hallelujah. Eternal and in the heavens. It says, for in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house which is from heaven. And now when you read this, you're like, Paul, I, I, do I really groan? <laughs> He's talking about it with passion. And I like how he puts it. He he, he's not saying you should groan. He's telling you you groan. I will tell you why. There's a deeper dimension. We actually all groan. We just don't know. I will tell you. But now, as a Bible student, when you read this, you say, oh, I'm supposed to be groaning. Okay, I groan. <laughs> That's spiritual growth. So, oh, oh, yeah, I heard there's a new body. But I, I never really anticipated it like that. Okay. Yeah, Lord, what is it going to be like? Aha. Uh-huh. I groan. So, that spiritual growth, putting the mirror of the will of God before you to tell you how to behave and how to think. So, it says we groan. Oh, we groan. Don't we all groan? So, if you were not groaning before, what do you start doing? <laughs> Hallelujah. And that's a sign of growth. So I have a consciousness. God has something for me on the other side. And he's happy about it. I must be happy too. I'm not going to be like that ungrateful friend. Have you bought someone for so, something for someone? And the person says, oh, okay, thank you. And when you were buying it, you took your time. Like, I want this person to know I care about him or care about her. You took your time, you know, and then you bring it. You say, oh, you shouldn't have. You shouldn't have. He said, oh, I don't wear this. <laughs> Hallelujah. But that's what a lot of us are doing with God. He has pulled off the biggest thing he will ever do. Listen, there is nothing God has done or will ever do bigger than salvation. And he wants you to be happy about it. He wants you to be happy that he's going to give you a new body. And if you're not anticipating it, it's either you're a baby. I've told you one of the signs of childhood is they don't understand value. I've told you how my my daughter will pick up my phone and be using it to drum. Wherever you go on any of your children's home. And when you're screaming, she doesn't understand why. Like, ah, I meant no harm. (laughs) Because she doesn't understand the difference between a phone and a drumstick. So if you don't value... That body that is coming is because you are still a child. And so when I'm growing spiritually, I'm going to see the way the Bible sees it. Oh, this is special, what God did. Oh, yes, I can't wait. I can't wait. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for what you've done. Hallelujah. It says, verse 4, For we that are in this Tabernacle do groan being burdened. Now, this is the part you can all relate with. All right? You're all burdened. Let me tell you something. Your body is not meant to grow old. Are you aware? Some of us, actually, we're not properly taught, so we don't see the burden. There is something, you know... 
a new technology, a new app that we all enjoyed. The face app that, you know, lets you know what you will look like when you get old. We are all amused with death. We don't realize. Are you aware? Aging is a form of death. It is death at work. Now, there is a perspective to it. For it, Of course, I did it. You know, Some of you, you did it, but you didn't share. Because you did, you did not like what you saw. <laughs> I know, I know. I'm a man of God. I know things. So, <laughs> but, but, but the point is this. <laughs> now, I did it for a reason, and I shared it, and I shared, this is how I want to see my work and impact at that age. Like, Paul, I finished my course. You know, the gospel has traveled through nations. I've been effective in ministry. I saw it strictly from a gospel perspective. Hallelujah. But, well, maybe not of all of us saw it that way. We're just like, <laughs> this is what I will look like when I'm old. You, you know, because naturally speaking, and I'm not judging you for that. We're all amused with old age. And we're amused. What we're amused with is death. It's the work of death. And we don't realize. But every time you hit your leg and you feel pain, that's burden. That's your body groaning. It's an anomaly. An anomaly. You may not know it, but it's not meant to happen. You hit your leg, your toe is swollen. And then you are limping for days. That's your body groaning. It's not meant to happen. Even to the simple one. You walked all day so you are tired. And so what do you do? You sleep. It's not normal. You're not meant to be tired. Your bones are not meant to grow weak. Your eyes are not meant to grow dim. And there is healing, but healing is still not God's final solution. The problem is that you need that healing in the first place. And even if you have mastered the faith work so much, you say in 10 years, I've not taken a tablet. Well, that's good, but you are growing old. That means... What the Bible is talking about, we all still need. Are you with me? So that's groaning. Every sign of aging is your body groaning. This is not normal. This is not the will of God. It says, says, we are burdened. Hallelujah. It says... Not for that we will be unclothed, but clothed upon that mortality might be swallowed up of life. Say loud, amen. And then verse 5, everybody read verse 5 together, one to go. Hallelujah. It says, he who has wrought the self, same thing is God, who also has given us the earnest of the spirit. So what he's revealing to you, what the Holy Spirit represents to us, apart from all the cool stuff, charismatic stuff, we heal the sick, we speak in tongues, and all of that. The Holy Spirit is given to us as an earnest assurance that our new body is coming. 
So Paul says in Romans 8, 11, if the spirit of him that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he that raised Christ from the dead will also quicken your mortal body. So apart from all the cool stuff that the Holy Spirit does through us, the ultimate thing is this. The same agency by which Jesus was brought back to life is in us. So that becomes assurance. Every time we are burdened, we can look at the fact that we have the Holy Spirit and we say, not for long. Not for long. If you bury this body, it will come back by the Holy Spirit. So he's telling you the real function of the Holy Spirit, especially in the context of death and pain and suffering. He says we are burdened, but we have the earnest of the Spirit. Glory to God. He becomes your assurance. So two things to learn about this. Number one, I'm supposed to grow on and anticipate that new body. And number two, the Holy Spirit, he pampers me when I groan. Hallelujah. He pampers me when I groan. To assure me, I'm here, as surely as I'm here, you are sure of what is coming. So that's spiritual growth, that perspective. That anticipation for what is coming, and then the assurance of what is coming in the Holy Ghost. Romans chapter 8. You're like, what does this have to do with prayer? I'm coming. I'm coming. Romans chapter 8, verse 18. Open quickly. Time is fast spent. At least let's cover what I have in store for part one, and then we'll continue next week. Are you there? It says, for I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is revealed in us. This also is a mentality. Hallelujah. The sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. Now, what he's calling suffering is not even persecution. What he's calling suffering is the fact that we can be persecuted at all. The fact that someone can put a sword on our neck and it's a threat. Is not meant to be. Hallelujah. He says the sufferings of this pre- present time. I don't want it to be compared to the glory that will be re- revealed in us. He says for the annex expectation of the creature. Waited for the manifestations of the sons of God. Well, are you waiting? You know, this is how you know that we will have a lot of work to do. When people use this scripture, they're not talking about the celestial body coming. They say, you will manifest in your office. You will manifest in your village. You will manifest. Everything in our church must be focused on now. That's a problem. But the manifestation he's talking about is taking on that celestial body that cannot grow old, cannot feel pain, cannot die. And if you, you're listening to me and the other one sounds nice, manifesting, you will buy that bands. There's a problem. Amen, actually. 
but there are more important things. Let's not lie. Benz is nice, but I'm saying there are more important things, okay? So the word of God realigns my priorities. So he's saying the endless expectation of the creation waits. So if I'm not waiting, I start waiting. That's spiritual growth. That's how the Holy Spirit redirects my desires. Say loud, amen. This, this is the part that will help you know that if you're not waiting, you are wrong. He says, For creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly by reason of him who subjected the same in hope. He says, But the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption. Say the bondage of corruption. Now, I told you on Sunday how that this text does not only involve human beings. It involves animals. It involves all of God's creation. Hallelujah. The fact that oceans go past their bank and destroy property, destroy human lives. Maybe through flooding or hurricane or whatever you call it. We've given them different names. Tsunami. And the names sound nice. You know, Maria, right? And they're always female names. Feminists, better take that up. That's something to fight about because they're always looking at looking for something to fight about. All right. <laughs> Sorry, I don't really... <laughs> All right. Do you understand? But, but the point is this. Oh, glory to God. It says, even... I told you on Sunday, not only are we going to receive new bodies... The earth is also waiting for a new earth. There is going to be a new earth. Hallelujah. So the earth is crying out. It's groaning. So if a human being is not groaning, there's something wrong. Hallelujah. And it says, Creature itself shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption. This is bondage. Your obsession with this current body is proof that you have some growing to do. You look at the mirror 50 times daily. Hallelujah. And you're trying to preserve what will still die. <laughs> Hallelujah. And then as time goes on, the wrinkles begin to show. You cover it, you patch it with makeup and foundation. Hallelujah. But now the Bible is telling you there should still be that desire to be delivered from the bondage of corruption. Why do I have to grow old? Why do I have to feel tired? Why do I have to be sick? Why do I even have to shield myself from cold? Something is wrong. So this bondage of corruption, you should be yearning to step out of it into the glorious liberty of the children of God. There is a glorious liberty, but only for the children of God. Glorious liberty. You need to step out of the bondage of corruption into that experience. That's what the word of God is saying. There is more, brothers and sisters. This is not a fairy tale. This is the word of God. Scientists can't understand this. Because all over the world, there is something called NDE, near-death experiences, 
all right, in such a way that when people are proven dead scientifically, many of them report life outside their body. They come back and they tell you coherently what was going on in the room whilst they were away. They will tell you from a height, I saw myself. This is something that is scientifically, scientifically documented, but they can't explain. There is a life beyond this. It's better. Anticipate it. In that life, friendship is forever. Friendship is forever. Anticipate that one. A lot of people get carried away with John 11. Jesus went to a burial and raised the dead. Hey, listen. That one, of all the miracles he did, that one, the moment he did it, it wasn't long after that they killed him. Read it. The Bible says, after that miracle, they were seeking to kill two people. They, they were looking for Lazarus. They wanted to kill Lazarus again so that they would say it was all a lie. Those guys were terrible. They started looking for Lazarus and Jesus. Immediately, imagine, as, as soon as they heard the testimony, they started, they intensified their plan to kill Jesus. His fame was getting too much. Grecians started coming to him. But in that burial, he let them know, even this one is temporary. If, when, God raised, when Jesus raised Lazarus again, he lived many more years, but he still died. But there was a message he preached in that burial that was more important than what he did. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. So listen, this one I'm doing is just, is, is just small to prove to you he said, listen, at the trump of God, I will raise all the dead. What I'm doing here, I will do it to millions and billions of people at once. And then this time around, they will never die again. So, he was using that small miracle just to show them a tip of the iceberg. He introduced himself. I'm the resurrection and the life. He says, he that believes in me will never die. Never. That was the real message that day. I am the resurrection. That was the real message. So he's saying the whole of creation is groaning to step into that glorious liberty of the children of God. Hallelujah. Verse 22. Are you still in Romans 8? It says, for we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. Verse 23, one to go. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have received the first fruit of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to which the redemption of our body. Glory to God. Notice. It has become a pattern. Now, when he's talking about things like this, he mentions the Holy Spirit. And it's on purpose. So, the Holy Spirit, you know, so one moment we're saying, oh, God, I'm tired again. When is that new body going to come? Oh, I'm consoled. I have the Holy Spirit. That's, that's the answer to the question. Son, not too long from now. Not too long from now. It's just like you, someone bought a car for you. The car is far away. You can't drive it, but you have all the documents. You have the keys. 
So that's assurance, all right, that or you've booked a flight, you have a visa, you have your tickets. In fact, you have already checked in. You are just waiting for the flight to arrive. That's who the Holy Spirit is to us. Praise the name of Jesus. Because as surely as you have your ticket, you have your identification, you have your visa, you're entering that plane. Praise the Lord. So he's his his assurance to us. Say he's my assurance. Pay attention. Now to the main point. Verse 26. And this is why it is important to read the Bible in context. He says, likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. What infirmity is he talking about? His help, his helping. That's the groaning he was talking about. He's helping us. That's why every time he talked about this new body, the suffering of the present time, he talks about the Holy Spirit. Because that's his duty. He's helping. A lot of people have used this to teach on funny things. They thought infirmity here means sickness. Infirmity doesn't always mean sickness. Infirmity here, the Greek word refers to any lack of capacity. Any lack of capacity. So, in, in, this, in this context, is the fact that we grow old, we die. That's a lack of capacity. The Bible says the Holy Spirit helps us. Oh, glory be to God. The Greek word is asthenia. It's spelled A-S-T-H-E-N-I-A. A-S-T-H-E-N-I-A. It means to have want of strength or capacity. Yeah, it, it might be sickness, but it doesn't always refer to sickness. If you wish, you could flip the switch, light switch in your room, but you were short. That's an infirmity. A lack of capacity. Hallelujah. It's an infirmity on a smaller scale. But there's a word for you. The Bible says, Lo, I am with you. Lo. <laughs> Hallelujah. He says, he helps our infirmity. He tells you what the infirmity is. Not just our lack of capacity, physically speaking. He says, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. Is that not what we've been talking about since? All that he has been talking about is Greek to some people. And the Holy Spirit helps that also. The fact that we don't even see the urgency for this new body, this salvation, this... uh, When it comes, it will come. Hallelujah. It's, it's human nature. Even if our lecturer gives us three months for an assignment, it is two days to submission that we will start. Students, if you, if you understand what I'm saying, say amen. amen. Uh-huh. There is that culture that, that what is in the future is in the future. Yes, Pastor, Christ is coming. Okay. We have this tendency to be obsessed with the immediate. Hallelujah. But the Holy Spirit helps us to think of the future. 
to anticipate God's plan therein. He says, we know not what to pray for as we ought. But what does he say next? The Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings. Now, based on all that you have been learning, who groans? No. Based on all that you have been learning in 2 Corinthians 5 and all you have been learning before, who groans? We groan. So, he is helping us not by groaning, but he's helping us with our groaning. Praise the Lord. <laughs> so people are, are <laughs> a lot of theology has scattered. I mean, I mean, look at what you, you what you, you were reading earlier. Look at verse twenty-two. Let me take you back again, just to be sure <laughs> I've not lost you. Read verse twenty-two together. One, two, go. Read verse 23 together. One, two, go. Who is groaning? Look at Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 2. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 2, which we read before. It should be up on the screen now, is it? Read together, one, two, go. Verse four. One, two, go. So I just read all of that so that you are clear. You repeated it too often for you to for there to be any doubt. Eh? So what the Holy Spirit that's his intercession. Who is an intercessor? Someone that's the word can be translated advocate. He's a representative, the representative of someone who lacks capacity. The representative of someone who lacks capacity. So, he is helping us because of our infirmity. Because we, what did I define infirmity as? Lack of capacity. So, because of our lack of capacity, he's bearing us up in our groaning. That's what he does. He's bearing us up in our groaning. Praise the Lord. I said all of that to say this. This is just a general example of something smaller. That is our focus for today. When it comes to prayer, our desires are not in order because we are still growing. So, we don't know what to desire. We don't know what to pray for as we ought. What is true about salvation and how the Holy Spirit helps us is true even about 
immediate things. We don't always know how to pray. And so the Holy Spirit helps us. Praise the name of Jesus. He helps us. So can I tell you something? Your desires will always affect your prayer life. It will always. It will always affect your prayer life. In such a way that because your desires are not always in order, your prayers will not be in order. Your ignorance becomes a hindrance in your prayer life. But the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit can make up for that insufficiency. He can. This is actually teaching on how to pray. He can make up for that. The same way he realigns our priority to realize we should be more forward thinking and anticipating that second coming of Christ. It's the same way he realigns our priority. And in so doing, he realigns our order of praying. Don't forget how I started. Why is it that when I read through the Bible and see the kind of praying that was done in the early church, it doesn't really make sense to me. The Holy Spirit can help me. Help me see the importance of spiritual growth. So I will pray about it as often. Pray for the lost. That compassion for other people too. The work of the Holy Spirit. He realigns my desire not just so that I can stop bad things. But so that I can pick good things. He aids me in the will of God. That's his intercession. That's why he's called advocates. Are you with me? That's the advocacy of the Holy Spirit. Someone says, does motive and incorrect desire affect your prayer life? Emphatically. Look at what James says in James chapter 4 verse 3. James chapter 4. I'm just laying the foundation for next week. James chapter 4 verse 3. Everybody read together one to go. Ye ask and receive not. Because you ask amiss that you may consume it upon your lusts. So, now, can my desire make me pray the wrong way? Yes! Do you get what I'm saying now? Many times our motive, we are saying, God, do it. God, do it. But he, it has not yet happened. You are already anticipating how you will oppress people when it happens. Now, it takes the Holy Spirit to catch yourself thinking this way. Especially when people have mocked you. you now, um, just imagine, for instance, a woman is tormented by her in laws. You don't have children. I, don't, I didn't know that my, my son married a man. You know, especially African relatives, they can say all manner. You know what I'm saying? They will come to homes. They will say all kinds of things, do all kinds of things. Now, this righteous woman, innocently, she has a religious vengeance plan. And she wants to rope God into that line of thoughts. 
God, give me a child so I can show this, my mother-in-law, that you are God. You know, you know, I will show her that you are God. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? So you want to show. <laughs> Praise the name of Jesus. But they are plain, lustful, ignorant ones. Hallelujah. You see the way people pray for money. Pray for, you know, and listen, there is a pure and righteous way to desire things. But why is it that nobody talks about money also? Nobody wants anybody. That this money, okay, you're going to have it. But first of all, learn about it. If you receive the kind of money you want now, it will destroy you. Nobody wants to hear that. Let's call it spirit speed. A lot of us are like that. How many of you, when you were 16, 14, you were persuaded you were old enough to be in a relationship? Raise your hand. Don't lie. Thank you. Now, the way, when people were telling you, you are not old enough, how did you feel? Like, this, what did they know? Hallelujah. But how many of you agree with them now? That you, you didn't know anything. Thank you for your honesty. It's something about human nature. We just, we know they agree. It's called Agidi. <laughs> we just, <laughs> now you look back, some of the things you did, the silly letters you wrote, you were sleeping on that corner, you are ashamed. There are some people till now, when you see them, you, are, you still blush, you are ashamed. You have said rubbish. But when they were telling you then, you didn't want to hear. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's human nature. Hallelujah. But the Bible says the Holy Spirit helps us. Helps us. Like a person who is struggling to stand and he just puts your hand over his shoulder and helps you walk. That's what he does. He does it by purifying our motives. Hallelujah. Let me tell you something. The advent of the Spirit has changed prayer forever. Has changed prayer. Think about what we are saying. The ministry of the Spirit. In fact, Paul talking about the Holy Spirit talks about something like praying in the Spirit. Do, do you know how special this is? Elijah didn't know what we are talking about. Moses didn't know what we are talking about. Praying in the Holy Ghost. This is the privilege of the redemption. That the Holy Spirit can help our infirmity, help us pray. This is special. No wonder when Jesus in John chapter 14 was talking about what he was going to do. He says, I go. He was talking about his death. I'm going to die to prepare a place for you. My death will prepare a place for you. My death, burial, and resurrection will prepare a place for you. He began to talk about the Holy Spirit. He began to talk about prayer. Because I tell you categorically that this thing changes our prayer life. Praying in the spirit. Oh. Praying in the spirit. That's a privilege. This is post-redemptive talk. Let me show you something quickly in Acts chapter 2. I already told you this is a Bible study. So we're opening quite a number of texts. Oh, glory to God. 
chapter 32. So now, these guys gathered together in one place. All of a sudden, I'm going to teach on this December. The first thing that was happened, that, that happened was the place where they were was filled with the spirits. The place was first filled before the people. So, a mighty rushing wind entered the room where they were. And then they were all filled. Remind me. Reboot camp. Okay? We're going to talk about that. Now they all start speaking with the spirit. And people are amazed. What's going on? You know. And then, oh, glory to God. Peter begins to talk about Jesus. And then he's explaining why what had just happened was possible. Why it could happen. Everybody read verse 33 together. One to go. Therefore, are you with me? Read together loud and clear. One to go. Therefore, being by the right hand of God exalted, and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he had shed forth things which you now see and hear. He's saying the reason we can speak what you are hearing it's because Jesus is glorified. So this praying in the spirit business is a post-redemptive reality. He said it's only possible because, because Jesus is glorified. Oh, the best has happened in my day. Hey, I've received what Moses was eager to step into. Moses said, I would to God that all of Israel were prophets. And now Joel said, it shall come to pass in that day. He said, I'll pour my spirit upon all flesh. He says, sons and daughters, old and young. Do you understand? Both rich and poor, slaves and free. They will dream dreams. They will prophesy. He says, I will pour it out. That was Peter's language. He says, he has shed forth. There is a generosity to it. Do you understand what I'm saying? He has distributed. Hallelujah. This is a privilege. And so what we're going to discuss next week is this. There is a fundamental limitation in our prayer life. For instance, let me give you a clear example. In Acts chapter 13, the Bible says they were ministering to the Lord and fasting. Then the Holy Ghost said, separate unto me Paul and Barnabas for the work whereunto I have called them. If Paul and Barnabas knew that God had work for them, they would have used that prayer meeting to prepare for the work. But they didn't know until the Holy Ghost said. So when the Holy Ghost said, then they began to prepare. I'm just letting you know how knowledge of the will of God helps your prayer life. Do you understand what I'm saying? There are some things you are meant to do next year, two years time, that you ought to start praying about now. But because you don't know it, that ignorance is a hindrance to your prayer life. And can I tell you something? If you knew it, nobody would beg you to pray. That sense of responsibility, you will pray. You will pray well. And you will not pray amiss. But now, we don't always know what to pray for as we ought. So how do we do it? It says the Spirit helps our infirmity. So now, there is a new technology in God. A post-redemptive reality. Where my mind is ignorant. But by something called glossalalia. 
praying in the Holy Ghost, I can bypass the limitations of my mind and pray the will of God. That it, my, my understanding is unfruitful. Hallelujah. But listen, I might not even have the gift of interpretation of tongues. Hallelujah. But even if I was trained from the will of God, with tongues I can bring... I, I, in such a way that when I pray in the spirit, I am always praying the will of God. I never pray amiss. When I pray in the spirit, my motives are correct. My wordings are correct. My constructions are correct. My timing is correct. My priorities are correct. Listen, this is a privilege. You have to use it. You have to use it. So you mean that I can always pray the will of God for my life? Ah, my life will not be ordinary again. So I can always, by the Spirit, avert danger in future. Step into danger prepared. By this new technology, this new privilege. Do you know what it means? Someone tells you, I know how to get you to pray the will of God all the time. That's what God has done. Hallelujah. So, he says, we don't know how to pray for, what to pray for as we ought. But the Holy Spirit helps. Helps. Listen, you have to pray in tongues more. You have to pray in tongues. You give it time. Give it time. You can. So, the will of God for this year, you can pray it out. Because you have to understand, even if you knew the will of God, it will still take preparation. Read Acts 13. Well, I've read it to you, right? After the Holy Ghost said, he didn't just say, it's my will for Paul and Barnabas to go and do ministry. They didn't just pack their bags and start going. After the Holy Ghost said, they still have to pray and fast. Hallelujah. So, knowing the will of God is one thing. Preparing to step into it is another. But when, hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. when I pray in the Spirit of God, the will of God, I have it. It's in my spirit. See what Paul said. Hallelujah. Go back to Romans chapter 8. Someone here, you need to pray in the spirit some more. Come on, are you with me? Romans 8, 27. See, this is, what I'm telling you is my life. It, it has become normal to me. Let me tell you something that happened on Friday. I was about to go for a meeting. And in that meeting, that meeting required favor. Do you understand? Negotiating for something. I was meant to go there by 12. Before 12, I had another meeting by 11. So, no, by 10.30. So, by past 11, I began to tell this fellow, okay, um, we have to round off now or maybe postpone our meeting because I'm going for another meeting in so so place with the manager of this world. I just, I don't know why I just said it. And the moment I said it, he said, eh, which hall? He said, he said, the owner of that place you are going, her niece is a member of your church. So I'm wondering, oh my God. And I just said it. This is, 
I was meeting this guy for the first time. Do you understand what I'm saying? How would I have the connection? Are you getting what I'm saying? What I'm I'm telling you happened last Friday. That's my life. My coincidences are always on point. See, many coincidences have brought me to where I am today. I told you a story. Let me tell you again for those of you who didn't hear. There was a day I went to Unilag. As I was driving, I can count how many people have given lift in my life. I don't know, maybe I have to change. But it's not as if I give people lift like that, apart from church folks. But to give strangers lift, I don't really do it. All right. But this woman, I saw her, and the Lord said, give her a lift. So I gave her a lift. And I said, where do you walk? She said, oh, so-so-so hall here in Unilag. Um, and she began to complain about her daughter. This is a junior staff. Maybe she's seeing young people every day. Good education, and she's desiring her child to get the opportunity. Her child got the opportunity, but is not coping. And she said, and I cannot afford to pay for extra lesson. I said, how much is it? She said, 7000 That time, in the whole ministry, worldwide, <laughs> we had 7000 <laughs> And the Lord said, give her. So I gave it to her. And she said, thank you. God bless you. This, 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 this. I said, amen. When I came back and told our board, our small board, there, somebody challenged me. Ah, why would you do this? You know. Now, years later, we were meant to have a program at Unilag. So I told one of our church members who was a member of the school. I said, we want to have a program. Find out how much the whole will cost. She said, well, they charge students, and outside ministries differently. In fact, if, I will tell you the figures. He said if, you're, if, it's, if it's a student uh, fellowship, they will charge 40000 If it is a ministry outside, they will charge about 500000 400000 So I said, you know what? Start the process to register us as a fellowship. And at the time, no, be laughing. <laughs> so... <laughs> So, <laughs> and at the time, we had one or two people. I mean, we already had plans for it anyway. So, so they started the process. Now, so this lady came representing a fellowship. The plan was, by the time the program is holding, two months' time would have been approved. So we pay 40000 After one month, she comes back to say, the process is hanging. They said they have suspended all student fellowship registrations. And now that took a long time. So the day of the program, this woman opened the books <coughs> and said, for you who are not a student fellowship, program council. Listen, we had shared flyers, put banners, you know, at prayed that was full of the spirit. Then the day of the program, we said, no program. Hey, we said, what is going to happen? Program was meant to start 6 p.m. By 2 p.m., we still hadn't gained access. So we're praying. My wife was with me. So I began to pray. And then the Holy Spirit reminded me. Hey, God. He said, tell her to ask for her name. He said, ask for her name. So the lady said, her name is so-so-so. Hey, hey, I started laughing. You know who she was? The woman I gave a lift. Are you listening to me? 
So I said, give her the phone. How are you, ma? My name is, remember that day? She said, ah! <laughs> they didn't tell me. Okay, people just try to register on time, okay? Hope you have your program. Are you listening to what I'm saying? So we paid 40K for that. <laughs> so another day. This one happened last year. I'm driving in the night. As I'm taking a bend in Papi, the Holy Ghost clearly said to me, give that woman a lift. So I stopped. It, it was so clear what the Holy Ghost said. So I wound up. I said, the Holy Ghost, I don't usually say that. I, I just, I said, the Holy Ghost said I should give you a lift. She said, I just prayed now that God should give me a lift. She sent me a lift. So I said, enter. I said, where do you work? She said, I work with AIT. Are you listening to me? Long story short, some of you saw last year, um, AIT came to our, our church for one of the services and did an interview and it was on TV. That was, it was that woman. It was that woman. I'm letting you know some strategic things that have happened that seem like an accident. Hallelujah. Because the Holy Spirit, stand up, helps our infirmities. Hallelujah. He bears us up. Sometimes he changes our focus. Sometimes you are just, if it's your own understanding, you are praying, Lord, visa, Canada, visa, Canada. <laughs> and maybe that will, that will be a mistake. You don't know. So many times, thank you very much. So many times, what you need to do, we are so full of ourselves, our, of our own plans. What you need to do is to say, Father, this is what I want to do. But I'm surrendering to your own plan so that you will lead me. And as I pray in the spirit now, I thank you because utterance is given to me in the direction of your will. And then you begin to pray. That's how to pray. Were you blessed today? Yes, Stand to your feet. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Some of you, you know you can't wait till next week to hear the whole thing before you begin to pray. Set time aside this night. Are you listening to me? And pray. Hallelujah. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Arrange your life. See, my life is so arranged. I'm having the time of my life. Glory to God. Spend quality time every day. Thank you, Jesus. Just worship him and thank him right now. Thank you, Lord. Worship him and thank him. Thank you for listening. We are sure that you have been blessed. For inquiries, reach us on our helpline 0809-996-7000. Blessings. Blessings.